Welcome in to the Tonight We Die Nasty podcast. As always, Gerard, and I'm here with Brent today. How's it going, guys? Um, and I apologize for Brent's audio because I'm having a, a bit of difficulty getting it actually um, loud enough for it to match my volume because we're doing it remotely. But we got a pretty special show today, one that I'm pretty excited about, one that I think is not just relevant to the 12 people who are in our league, uh, but just kind of a breakdown of our first round. We had pretty much six people in the first round, and all six people are here. So Malf joins the podcast again. What's up? Uh, Nick, owner of Everything Must Go. Great to be back. Jarrett, owner of West Coasters. Happy to be here. And Mike, owner of Hackenberger and Fries, is going to help us break down what all happened this year in our first round. So before we get into it, um, I guess for the people here, we're in some pretty big trades before the draft started. Mike and I engaged in a trade uh, where I sent Joe Mixon to him for 1.3, Chris Carson, and a 2021 first. Um, I guess, Brent, do you want to give your your opinion on that trade, and then we'll go from there? My opinion on your trade with Mike? Yeah. Um, so I think what I was thinking about at first, I was thinking that you had the 1.05, so I was thinking that you were going to get a, a pretty decent uh, wide receiver with that pick. I think I – well, I don't know. I think, I think it's good value both ways. I think Chris Carson is going to be a good bag for you. Um, yeah, I like, I like that you moved up and, and you, you had the guy that you wanted to go for, and I, I think getting that was um, – yeah, I think you got good value there, but I think it also helped Mike's team out as well. Yeah, I mean, my thought process was if I was going to give up Joe Mixon and get in the front end of a draft, it's going to be in a draft that's as deep a running back as this one was. So um, I was happy to get Carson and then some draft capital next year as well. Mike had it. Burger and Fries kind of um, side of that. I mean, Joe Mixon, if if you kind of look at what um, analysts are saying right now, it seems like he's going to be kind of a top probably five or six back this year and kind of moving forward at age 23. Um, I think he's been kind of behind a, a poor offensive line in, in Cincinnati. And I think um, obviously Hackenberger and Fries, that didn't really matter for him. And he wanted, he wanted his guy. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll admit that I've, I've been trying to get Joe Mixon as well. I think he's going to have a really good, um, really good season and a really good career. He's one of the uh, kind of true all-purpose backs, kind of that Christian McCaffrey, um, and he's obviously a good size back, but can also kind of come out of the backfield as well on um, as a pass catcher as well. Yeah. Let's start Brantley for sale. <laughs> Mike, what about you? And obviously you, you were on the other end. You agreed to the trade, so anything to add to your side of things? I didn't have the um, 
have the flexibility to wait and see if they would pan out. I do believe in both of them, but um, that, that's kind of where I was at. I was just trying to get value while they still had value, um, as opposed to it potentially going the other way. The last thing I'll say is I, I didn't realize it up until this second, but the whole McKinnon thing might have come into that a little bit where these guys go up and down, and I just wanted to get a somebody that would you know last me for a little longer than what Carson could potentially be. You never know, though. He, I, like, I like it for both sides, too, because I think Carson could be a good back for a few years down the road. Yeah, and that was kind of the thing for me. I'm not. I know I'm not like at the level of like Malf, your team, and Jarrett, your team, and Brent, your team, and Mike. What I think your team is going to bounce back to be this year. So I didn't, and I left Nick out intentionally there. Um, but um, I also feel like Mixon is a guy who's probably going to have his best years like this year and the and the next year. And I don't know if my team is at a point where. It, I'm going to be able to use that all of those points to to do anything with besides him decrease in value and then eventually when I'm ready him not put up those points or um, kind of be useless on the trade market because with the running backs these days it's kind of like three to five years and that's it and he's going into his fourth season I think so um, just kind of a little that was a, another reason for me to move on from a guy, even though he is 23. So, Gerard, with that in mind, though, then what made you want to get Chris Carson in return? Because you're not ready to compete right now. Um, I think Carson is a is a piece that kind of fills in. Um, I think it just kind of levels out value for me. I think now I'm a more competitive team, one that could sneak in at the bottom part of the playoffs and then maybe make a run. Um, and I think, Looking just up and down my roster, I could, without looking at my roster, I could not put a starting lineup out there that I felt like was competitive. So getting a guy like Carson and now a guy like Dobbins, who we'll talk about at 1-3, I feel like if Dobbins can step into a 1-B role and potentially take over Ingram, which is what I'm hoping, um, I think that now that gives my team even more depth. And that's kind of a lot of the moves that I made this year were just to get more depth. Um, and let's say I suck again this year, then I feel like Carson is a piece that I can move for a pick in 2021 or a young player. So I think that's it. It was a move that I was looking for. He's going to be productive. I like him. And maybe he can be another chip that I move to make my team better and deeper in the future. You also have a love affair for Chris Carson, too. I think it's kind of irrational at times. I mean, have you watched him run? I have that as well. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's so much fun to watch. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Moving on to the next trade prior to the draft. So, um, Malf, you would not have been a part of this conversation had you not made this move. Um, and correct me, I'm pretty sure I've got the details right. But Malf, you traded the two five in this year's draft, the two seven in this year's draft, a twenty twenty one first and a twenty twenty one second for the one six and the three one. Mm-hmm. So take us through that for your side, and you traded it to Nick. I've been looking to try to get back into the first round. So the theme of my off season basically is uh, I, I feel like my team is a contender, um, and I didn't necessarily like what I had in my RB two spot. And I didn't necessarily like what I had in my second flex spot. So the theme of 
my offseason is to do what I could with the pieces that I had to fill those spots. And it, it took four picks to, to do so, but I, I moved up to 1-6 and I had a certain player in mind. Um, he went before me, obviously. Um, and we'll get to that. But um, I know you, you pay the price, obviously. You pay the price to move up, in, in, especially in a draft like this. You pay the price to, to join the party, and, and I certainly did that. And um, one thing led to another, and I ended up making another trade at the end of the day. But overall, I think I accomplished my goal, so I'm not upset about it at all. Mm-hmm. And Nick, what about it from your side? Uh, for me, um, I'm kind of hoping I don't regret this trade. Um, I had a lot of picks in the first round, and I thought with this draft being so deep, I thought that I could get a lot of value at that 2-5 and 2-7. Um, also having the 1-7 and the 1-9, uh, I thought that I would have been able to get who I wanted at 1-6 at either one of those positions. Um, and for me, I really need help in every position, and I need a lot of help. Uh, so I thought, you know, one, getting um, two second-round picks, will, like I said, get a lot of value in. Then also adding more picks to for next year, you know, now having four first-rounders next year, um, it may kind of be that I'm pushing off my uh, – my rebuild a little bit, but um, I thought it was a very good haul for the 1-6. I really didn't want to get rid of the 3-1, but again, I thought I was going to get um, some good value, uh, and maybe I, you know, I thought I had a couple steals at 2-5 and 2-7 uh, that I felt comfortable getting rid of the 1-6. Yeah, well, I guess when you have four first-round picks, you can you can make moves like that, and going again next year, you have another four first-round picks, so I'm sure... You could be active with them as well. I think I, I think it's just a a bit of an overpay on your end, Melv. Um, yeah. When you have three second round picks, you can make moves like that too. So yeah, but I think it's kind of more of a John approach where you're where you're trading away the twenty one draft to get back into the twenty draft, and then in the twenty draft you're gonna or the twenty one draft you're gonna trade the twenty two draft to get back in there. I feel like it's kind of just playing a game of catch up. I don't think it's catch-up when your team's a contender, though. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to fill a spot in my starting lineup with a player that I can use right now, and I had every intention of doing that with, with the pick, and then certain events took place, and I was able to get two players that I think I'm going to be able to use out of it, so I'm not upset at all. Well, not with that in mind, why don't you just make, make that deal until the day of the draft and know that the guy you want would be there? And what's the point in doing it earlier and taking a risk and you know having the guy not fall to you that you want to be there? That's a good point. Um, some of it may have to do with quarantine and being a little bored, honestly, and just playing around on my phone all day. But fair to you, Mel, I think that the top six spots, um, especially five and six, incredible value. In that's what I was going to say. Spot. I was pretty comfortable just locking myself into the top six. Yeah. Any which okay. way it played out. Um, yeah, and I and I, I, it's not like when I was on the clock at six based on the way it went, I was like, all right, who wants this pick? Mike came to me with an offer that I didn't want to refuse, and we're going to get to that. So so we'll talk about that when we get there. But I, I'm not a, upset at all with the way it came out. I think I have two players at the end of the day that I 
that I'm going to use in my starting lineup every week as opposed to one. Yeah, fair enough. And I agree with you there, Mal. Like, I think that Gerard likes to hoard picks a little bit more. Yeah, than and I, these guys haven't played it down in the NFL yet at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I value those second-round picks, but if you have a guy that you're that you're wanting, and, if, like, pre-draft, I had six guys that I was I was happy to take. Of course, I, I kind of did something to, to get up to the, to the two-hole, but um, I had six guys that I was legitimately happy with. Um, yeah. On a pre-draft, so I agree with you. If you have that in mind, and then of course you move back to the eleven spot, but um, you kind of had that going into it, like okay, there's six guys, and so I know I'm going to get some kind of value for this. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at it, but prior to getting that pick, I'm looking at a situation where I have uh, just a bunch of mid to late second round picks and two starting spots that I need to fill in order to contend this year. I'm not as good as this class is. I'm not like feeling certain about that, so I, I want to use my ammunition my arsenal to make moves and 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 work around things especially when i have all freaking day to do it okay anyone else <laughs> all right let's move on to the draft then i don't really have a rebuttal um <clears throat> so um i guess we're gonna be hearing from you a lot first nick because you got you got a lot of picks up up front um and made a lot of moves so at the one one here nick who was your target and then did you have any, like, trade talks, any offers that you were considering, and kind of why did you go with your guy? He's muted. He's muted. Nick, you mute. Way to go. Sorry. Uh, first, <laughs> my number one before the NFL draft was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but really, before uh, the draft started, I, I kind of thought whoever was going to the Chiefs was going to be um, the running back that I was going to target. I really liked that situation. Um, and then... Clyde went to the Chiefs, and I think he's he's got a great uh, pass catching skills. I think he's going to be uh, perfect in that system. And I saw how much um, Andy Reid liked him. I was reading something saying that um, they were comparing him to Westbrook and saying that he was going to be better than him. So once I read that, and I was also reading a couple stuff saying that you know he potentially could have been a second round pick in a redraft league. So it really it kind of I was. I didn't want to give up on Taylor, but I think for me, Hilaire, uh, going to the Chiefs just kind of, you know, overtook that, and I had to take him. I didn't really get any offers that blew me away. I did try to trade with uh, Clark to try and get, you know, three and four or three, and uh, I think one of his other late first, um, because I thought that there were three good running backs, but that, you know, it didn't really talks kind of fell through there and I you know, just stuck with uh, the first <clears throat> and I'm assuming that's pre-NFL draft before um, before Mike and I made the mix and move yes alright and then we go over to and I guess I don't really have anything else on that unless anyone else has anything I think the only thing with Clyde Edwards is if we're in a PPR league I think it's a slam dunk I still think it's a slam dunk because of the way Andy Reid uses the, the running back position um and if he does get 70, 60 catches, you're looking at an extra 30, 35 points that you're probably not getting from Jonathan Taylor because I don't think that that necessarily is how he's going to be used in Indianapolis. Um, so, yeah, unless anyone has anything else. I still have Jonathan Taylor as my 1-1. One, one. Me too. Me three. I think his, I think his uh, pass ability is downplayed because he went to Wisconsin. 
just as much as he may not be the greatest pass catching back in the world. Uh, Melvin Gordon wasn't touted as a pass catcher coming out of Wisconsin. Um, and he's obviously the best natural runner in this class. He's a physical specimen. He's a home run hitter. Um, he reminds me somewhat of Adrian Peterson. And I, I, I have a hard time passing up on a guy like that. A guy, I can see him running into the line, 14 carries for 28 yards, and then boom, there's that 80-yard touchdown, and there's your fantasy day right there. And that you can't replace. Like, that's we're talking Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey-type abilities in that regard. Um, from a guy who's 230 pounds and, and has shown that he can shoulder the load, he has the potential to be the league's top-leading rusher and a uh, massive touchdown, high t- tie upside touchdown getter. So he's still my 1-1, and I'm going to take him this Sunday, 1-1. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Melvin, Brent, and I are in another draft on Sunday. So with the 1-2, I did select Jonathan Taylor. And, yeah, I, for one, was really happy when Nick went Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because Jonathan Taylor's kind of pre-draft. He was my number one, um, 1-1. Um, I thought if DeAndre Swift went to Kansas City, I would definitely have a little bit more uh, to think about. But pre-draft, I kind of made that move with Gerard, thinking, okay, I need a running back to kind of solidify what I think is a, is a contending team. And um, I had two, two guys in mind, and I actually thought it was going to be DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor that was going to fall to me at 1-2. Of course, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire moving up and um, – rocket ship that sort of thing i mean he's um he went from probably the the fourth or fifth best back in the in the draft pre-draft to to the one one um in ours and, and a lot of other ones i agree with you gerard with the the whole ppr thing like i think if it's if it's a ppr league clyde Edwards lair is an automatic slam dunk but i think with um yeah our league being a half point ppr and um just the rushing total and what you what you talked about, Malf. I think Jonathan Taylor's a, just a pure rusher. Um, he has the size. He has the athleticism. Uh, those bags from from Wisconsin. Obviously, um, he he has a lot of wear on the tires. Um, he had some fumbling issues, but I think he went to a great situation with Quentin Nelson, um, kind of leading the leading the charge there in, in Indianapolis. I think he's got to just kind of saddle up and run right behind him. I don't think it'll take long for him to um, kind of outplay Marlon Mack and, uh, I guess, Jordan Wilkins. I think Naheem Hines is going to have a role um, in that offense to continue. But it it could be interesting. It could be kind of a one-two punch this year, and uh, Marlon Mack might kind of spread out and be their uh, pass-catching back and kind of limit Naheem Hines. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I think by the midway – three-fourths of the year through, I think Jonathan Taylor's going to kind of secure that that feedback spot, if not earlier. <clears throat> I mean, I think my only concern, and I was listening to the nerds today, so this is where I got it from, but catching like 20 to 30 balls a year, um, you know, a guy like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb kind of leading the league in rushing and very touchdown dependent, and those receptions, I mean, you're just, you're kind of just at a low-end RB1, and I know that you're I mean, you're getting an RB one either way, especially in the second, you know, with the second pick of the draft. But I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire just kind of fits that Kansas City scheme so well that he won't come off the field. And we don't know if Jonathan Taylor, in that type of like 
two-minute drill or trailing in the fourth quarter, if he's going to be on the field or if Indianapolis is going to go with a guy like Naeem Hines, um, who's kind of there in that third down running back. In Kansas City, you can kind of say Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be on the field, whether it's first down, second down, third down, two-minute drill, four-minute drill. So I feel like <clears throat> that's why. But I think with, I mean, just like what Malf and I think Mike Clark was saying earlier, like you have to, you have to consider at least his pass catching ability. He's not. Um, I mean, it's not, that, last year. it's not that he's not a pass catcher. I think that Wisconsin's offense just doesn't utilize their running backs in that in that way. I mean, I don't remember what James White did at Wisconsin, but I don't remember him coming out as like this like all amazing like pass catching back like i think he was a rusher first and melvin gordon's the same like melvin gordon demonstrated over the last however many years four or five years that he is a pass catching back but he didn't he wasn't labeled that coming out of wisconsin yeah that's fair that's fair all right moving on i think the fumbles are more my my issue with jonathan taylor than anything but yeah um, and that's gonna have to yeah that's gonna have to change or he's gonna find himself on the bench pretty quickly and then at one three go ahead jared defending nick here i I agree with nick's pick uh ceh would be my number one too and also i think we're in a dynasty league so him being tied to patrick mahomes versus taylor being tied to (coughs) philip rivers for a year and then much of uncertainty uh, does play a major role here for me at least yeah but we we play in a half ppr league one and two mahomes isn't check down Charlie like Philip Rivers is, you know, he's throwing the ball down the field to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I can see this working in games when they're trailing and like the defense is just giving these receptions to Clyde Edwards Hilaire late in the game. But I mean, if he's tied to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, how long is like, how, how many games are they going to be trailing? How many well, scripts are going to be <clears throat> in his favor in, in that regard? He's not, he doesn't strike me as a thousand yard rusher. So you're really banking on all those all those PPR points, and this is a half PPR. Hey, make no mistake about it. I would have definitely went and been happy with Clyde Edwards-Helaire if he would have fallen to me at one two. Oh yeah, you're splitting hairs. Seriously. Yeah. All right, then let's move on to one three. All right, so I was at one three. Um, I would say that my target, if I was still at one two pre-draft landing spots, would have been J.K. Dobbins, and then um, I was really happy that he landed in Baltimore, maybe a little upset at first thinking that, well, Ingram's there and he might not do it this year, but kind of to my point earlier is I don't think I'm going to be a, I don't think I'm going to true. I'm a true contender this year. So I, if I have to wait a year for JK Dobbins to come in and take over that backfield and be on a very similar rushing attack that he was in, in Ohio state. And he was extremely efficient and effective in Ohio state. Um, I, I, really like the the outlook for me in the 2021 season with with jk dobbins um so yeah that's that's kind of why i took him i agree with that yeah, yeah I I that if gus edwards can average 5.3 yards per carry in that offense imagine what jk dobbins can do it's all yeah yeah, yeah i mean he's a he's an explosive player he plays out of that uh rpo kind of offense in, in college and I think he's gonna. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a great pick, and I think he's gonna be a great player for them, and kind of tethered to Lamar Jackson. And uh, if 
Lamar Jackson does anything like he did the last season. Like it's just unreal the, the space that the running back has. Yeah, and you would imagine that people are going to start to really key on Lamar Jackson. And then I feel like um, I was kind of late to the party on but I I really do like him. He's he's kind of shot up my draft rankings as well. Yeah. And then kind of moving on, unless anyone has anything else to say about J.K. Dobbins. I feel like this was the draft. This was the pick that kind of shook up the draft here. At one four, we go over to you, Mike. Yeah, um, with this pick, so anybody who I talked to weeks leading up to the draft knows I was at first all in on the receivers, and then I kind of flipped to all in on the running backs, and then I went all the way back over to the all. Uh, I, I just there were a lot of players I liked in uh, this draft. I thought Swift at this pick was fantastic value. Um, as uh, incl- uh, as well as um, Lamb, and I obviously like Judy too. Um, with this pick, though, um, Swift, even though he's super talented, the situation scared me a little bit. And on the other side of the ball, um, I, I loved uh, Lamb's situation, even though I know it was a little shaky for a lot of people. Um, I'm not necessarily concerned about players getting touches in good offenses good offenses find a way to get you the ball if you're talented enough so I and I think Lamb is uh, so I think he's going to be one of those guys that in a couple years um, turns into hopefully uh, what is a top 5 top 10 receiver uh, so that's why I took him here and I think I mean I think it's a good pick I think Brent you you, Malf, and I had a had a text prior, like while the draft was going on, about that Lamb landing spot, and I think it's it's always better to be on a good offense than be the only option in a bad offense. So uh, I agree with you, Mike, that <clears throat> that Lamb is in a good landing spot, and I think it was a good pick, and especially with the receivers that you have with Jeffrey and Green and Evans and Allen Robinson, I think that you know you can make it by with with your running back core, and this really sets your receiver core up for stability moving forward. So I was just going to kind of add, like, I, I fell in love with C.D. Lamb pre-draft. Like, if I stayed at the 1-5, that's that's who I was targeting. Um, I didn't really need another receiver on my team, but I was I was plenty of, like, I was really happy with that pick if he would have fallen to me at 1-5 at and taking that, knowing that a lot of people were going to go running back heavy. Um, but yeah, he uh, found himself in a great situation with being being on yeah Dak Prescott. I think Amari Cooper's um, contract they can get out of it after like the twenty one season mm-hmm. yeah. and kind of slide right in there and be like what Julio Jones was in Atlanta early on, what DeAndre Hopkins was in um, in Houston early on. Like I think he I think he has that talent. I definitely do. And then um, and then it kind of comes back to me on the clock at one five, and I definitely got some some cold feet thinking about DeAndre Swift it was like the actual NFL draft when a couple teams who need a running back or need a quarterback pass on quarterback and they just start plummeting down the draft board and that's kind of how I felt with DeAndre Swift there so I kind of from the get-go thought that I was going to move the 1-5 back I had talked with you Nick before you moved the 1-6 about moving to the 1-6 from the 1-5 and same thing I talked to you Mal briefly about moving from the one five to the one six because I did like <clears throat> my options there, but then Nick, we got into some some talks to, for about the one nine or the one seven, 
and what really we there was a trade at this pick. So I moved the one five and the two twelve to Nick for the one nine, the two one, and a twenty one third. And for me, I just I love the front end of the the second round in this draft. I had a lot of guys that I felt like were that in that area of um like draft capital that I could get and I was really happy with who I got in that area but that was kind of my if I could move back four spots in the first round and get a guy who I knew I liked in Justin Jefferson and potentially Jalen Rager and then get a guy at 2-1 who I really liked too that was that was my move and my my thought process there what about you Nick yeah so like Mike I had uh Swift um value pretty high and once I saw Mike go wide receiver uh, at four and I saw you went Dobbins at three and I saw Swift was available um, I knew that it would be beneficial for me to uh, try and trade up into this pick now I didn't um, you know the Lions weren't my preferred spot for Swift um, kind of not sure what they're going to do with Johnson even though I think Johnson's a little bit of a bump but um, I thought I needed uh, I needed to get him, and I really did want. I love my two one pick. I love the one nine pick. I thought I can get some good value there. Like you saw value in him, I saw a lot of value in him as well. Um, but then also, I think picking up the two five and two seven, um, those two extra picks in the second round made me think that I could, you know, maybe shift my value elsewhere and get rid of the two one. Uh, and, and move up and get that another stud running back that I think could um, you know, be my potential RB1 or RB2 with, with Clyde uh, going forward. And then <clears throat> then obviously you went with, with DeAndre Swift there. And that was the, the thing with me, the landing spot. Not necessarily the talent with Swift, but the landing spot for me was, was my biggest concern. Um, and yeah, kind of maybe my fascination with hoarding picks, as Brent had said earlier. Um, really wanting to move back and and get more picks, but yeah, anything anyone else have anything on the trade or the or the eventual pick? Yeah, I'm with you guys. Love Swift, the player. Hate 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 the landing spot. Um, you got Carryon Johnson there for two more years. Carryon, a guy they spent a second round pick on just the year before. Um, and then in the fifth round, the Lions go ahead and draft another running back, guy from New Mexico State, Jason Huntley is more of a pass catcher. But you just gotta you know wonder like what what their plan is there and I don't know bad organizations can need to make bad moves and I just don't like the landing spot at all yeah maybe <laughs> I mean I love I love carry on Johnson as a player and I really was hoping for big things out of him and maybe if he could have stayed healthy he could have done more but um I mean Brent and I Brent probably knows more about my love for carry on Johnson than anyone else but um yeah, it just kind of seems like if you get burned, for me at least, if we got burned, if I got burned with Carryon Johnson a couple years ago, I'm not going to get burned with DeAndre Swift this year. Um, try to find somebody else out my team. So then we moved over to you, Malf, and you were on the clock at 1-6, and then you kind of prefaced it earlier about how you had an offer you could not refuse. So take us through that, that whole thing. I wouldn't call what I had cold it, it was not a cold feet situation um, did the draft play out the way I wanted it to no I, I would have been my ideal scenario would have been CD Lamb at six um, and then probably Swift honestly even though we just spent the last couple minutes totally pooing on him going to the Lions um, 
but I was fine with Judy. Uh, great, fantastic receiver. Love the player. Not not my favorite landing spot, but I but I, I do love the player. Um, but Mike offered me um, the one eleven and Kareem Hunt for the pick, and I couldn't say no to that. I think Kareem Hunt is more than enough compensation to move back five spots in this particular draft um, because he would fill a, a hole for me now as as a RB three four ish. Um, because he gets on the field even though he's the backup to Nick Chubb and, and he's dynamic um, he makes plays he scores touchdowns um, but as you know as soon as he divorced his Cleveland he's, he has the potential to be a, an RB1 stud again and that's what I'm chasing obviously with this trade yeah and I think that like Mike, Mike offered me that trade as well um, for the 1-5 <clears throat> and I think just kind of where I was was you know Hunt is now then been in the league for four years and with all of this influx in running back talent, um, would he still be able to go out and fetch a free agent job like he wanted? Um, you know, you look at a guy like Melvin Gordon this year, Le'Veon Bell the year before, where they think that they're kind of like they deserve all this money and they're kind of like the best running back on their team. And meanwhile, NFL teams. I guess they the Jets forked up and paid Bell, but Melvin Gordon got less than what the Chargers were offering him originally last year, and he thought he was worth a whole lot more. So Hunt's twenty four years old, and and he's in no position to to flex his muscles and ask for money given the circumstances of his career with with the incidents that he's had off the field. He's he knows he's lucky to even have a job. I'm, with the influx of running backs, are you thinking that he's going to get a starting job that that he doesn't have to compete with targets? I, I, it, if anybody here on town, town alone is he not a starting running back? Is he not an upper oh, starting running back in the NFL? I, I like Kareem Hunt. I think, yeah, I think he's a very talented running back. I just don't know with the influx of running backs coming in this year and next is at twenty five, twenty six years old, whatever he's going to be next year, is he going to get that opportunity? He's 24 now. I'm inclined to believe he's going to get a chance to be an RB1 on a team again, and that's all I want is for him to have that chance because I, I believe he will yeah. take full advantage of it. Yeah, I definitely think he'll get a chance. He's, he's um, I, I think, one of the most talented um, players in the league, honestly, and yeah. the guy that just traded him away. I, do, um, yeah. I, I think um, there, as with any player going into free agency, there's going to be risk, but... Um, I definitely think he'll have a shot at as long as he, you know, is smart moving forward off the field. I think he'll definitely have a shot at a starting role, and that's really all you can ask for with somebody with that talent. And I'm looking at a situation where I traded away my 2021 draft, like you said, Gerard. Uh, if this guy leaves Cleveland and goes to a spot where he can be an RB one again, that's almost like getting a first round draft pick right there, putting him into my RB two spot, and 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 running away with it yeah, yeah I, I, I guess I, I think I, it's more than enough compensation to move back five spots in this draft I thought that was a no-brainer I can't believe you didn't take that trade draw thank you I just I, I again I just um kind of am saying I just think it's it's more of a risk than I wanted to take which I mean it, it might it might pan out for you it might not Melf, but just with the landscape of the running backs and value this year too just not as just not as an RB1 I agree with you there. I think he can be an R, yeah, uh, maybe a low level RB two this year. Yeah, he is. He has value this year as well, and I don't need him to be an RB two this year. Sure, I need him to be an RB three. 
Yeah, but things change quickly. I mean, the people who were relevant when we started this three years ago are not necessarily relevant today. So that's – I just feel like it's a risk. It's a, it's a fit it, – like from both sides, it's it, it all depends on yeah. your risk tolerance. Mouth is okay with the risk, you're not. I mean, that, there's really an argument here. Yeah. He's a full-time player, risk-reward, and he's as high as they come. And I'm certain that I'm going to get, even this year, I'm going to get more points out of the two players that I picked than the one player that I would have picked at six, which would have been Jerry Judy. Mike, tell us about Jerry Judy. Yeah, I mean, I I was really hot. So the reason I made the deal, um, so I was um, not very comfortable with the 11th player in this draft. I liked the top 10. Um, I think the uh, 11th pick was really the first uh, the first pick of a second or third tier. Um, so, but um, I think it was, uh, I, I love the deal from all sides because um, you're getting that shot at that your first pick on that lower tier, but then you're getting Kareem Hunt as well. And like I talked about earlier with the Carson deal, I, my team's just not in a position to gamble with a guy like Hunt. Um, he could wind up being, uh, you know, vaulting back into the top ten if he lands in a good spot in a year or two um, and does the right things off the field. Um, but my team's just not in a position to be, uh, hold on to a player like that and see where it pans out. I just wanted to get value while he still had it. Um, and I love Judy falling to six. I think he's, in any other drafts, he could be top three material. And even in this one, I've seen him go top three. So, um, I was more than happy to trade, even though it was trading up five spots. I felt like it was trading up seven or eight. So, my thing with Judy, I, I love him as a player, but we talked about Lamb being in a high-powered offense with weapons like Dak, which is true. But is Locke going to be able to feed all these mouths in Denver? Oh yeah, I have, I have that connection. He's going to go. He's going to do big things this year. Big things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyone else have anything on that trade? Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton both as wide receiver ones in fantasy. I don't know. I like the fit because I like what Sutton can do, and I like what what Judy can do in that offense. Because I do worry about Drew Locke and and his development. He's going to have to take a, a giant leap there. It's football, sure, but yeah. we, we need fantasy points. Sure, we are going to be one get open, and I think they're going to they're going to feed whoever's open there too, and that'll be great for. Drew Locke. Uh, I hope route runners coming out, you know. Oh, in a long, long time, yeah. And then, Nick, we, we kind of hop back to you. You're on the clock at 1-7. I went with Rager at 1-7. Uh, I think solidifying uh, Swift and Hilaire as my first two picks. I think I need to obviously go uh, wide receiver in this pick and, and my best available wide receiver at that point was, was definitely Rager. I know I had talked about trading with you briefly, and then you were like, "No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make the pick." Yeah, I, I didn't want to keep pushing it off. I, I think with you, I, I mean, I have a lot of picks, and and I, I think the more picks can definitely help my team. But at this point, I think it was enough trading and just to take who I thought was was best available at that position. I think, again, you know, I brought it up many times. I, I saw a lot of value in the second round, and I already had a, a decent amount of second-round picks. So, um, yeah, I just had to, had to actually make the pick instead of, you know, keep pushing it back. Yeah, and then um, and then I was 
back to back. I, I like your pick there. That was when I traded back to nine. The hope was that I could get Rager and Jefferson and add to my sorely uh, needy receiver core. And then when you hopped up a hopped up ahead of me, that uh, or you were there, but when you took Rager in front of me, that that kind of hurt. So then another situation where I was pivoting, um, and I had some people come to me and ask about the one eight. And then I ended up making a trade with you, Brent, um, and getting Singletary in the 2-3 for the 1-8 there. And, I mean, the, I guess the reason I made that trip, tr- that trade is I just felt like I had the 1-9, and I think you had told me that you were going to go after Akers. Uh, so I really pre-draft loved Justin Jefferson, and he was my target in that area. Thought I could still get him. Um, and just like I was saying earlier, had a lot of guys who I really liked at the back of the, in the beginning of the second round. Um, and the other pick, you know, I was debating between was like a Henry Ruggs, the third. And of those two Raider receivers, I got the one that I like better with lower draft capital and Brian Edwards, uh, which eventually I got in the second round. So yeah, Brent, what was your motivation to move up to the one eight? Yeah, I guess I want to talk about my side of the, the trade. Well, I mean, obviously I wanted eight, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that in a second. But Singletary came to me in a trade before the draft um, with Mouth. So I traded, I can't remember all the pieces, but it was Stefan Diggs. And I got a, a couple picks back and Singletary. Um, and I like him. I really do. I, I think Devin Singletary is a, is a quality football player. And I think Buffalo is just a good spot for him. What I worry about with Devin Singletary is, well, now that they've drafted Zach Moth, I'm not too high on Zach Moss either, but I think that they're going to feature both of them, and I think Josh Allen is going to capitalize on the um, the short yardage situation in the red zone area. Um, and yeah, and I know Buffalo wants to be a running team, but I don't know if Devin Singletary is going to be the long-term answer there. So I kind of was shocking him a little bit um, throughout that process, and, and I would have kept him, and he would have been a good RB, like low-end RB2 for me this year. Um, but I saw Cam Akers kind of dropping, and pre-draft, I don't know how much I value Cam Akers, but once he, he landed in um, in L.A., I know they don't have the greatest um, offensive line right now, but I think Sean McVay is creative enough to use him, and knowing that they took Henderson last year and did not like Henderson enough, um, to draft another running back basically yeah, just a year after in the second round. Um, I think that says a lot, and I think he can be. He wasn't that great at Florida State because of the offensive line, but he was creative in what he did. Um, he's a young player. I think he came into Florida State as one of the number one or maybe top five recruits out of high school. Um, I think Cam Akers has the possibility to or the potential to be um, a top a top level back in, in the NFL maybe not this year but I think he's going to take over that role uh, by the end of this season I was happy with Singletary I think like you said I would be happy with low end RB2 high end RB3 production um, just on my team where there was no depth in the beginning of the offseason I feel like there's more depth now um, and happy with what my starting lineup actually looks like so I was 
happy to make the trade, even though it was moving back quite a bit. But having three picks in between the 1-8 and the 2-3 um, kind of made that drop feel a little bit less for me. Anyone else on the trade or the pick? All right. And then moving on to me over at 1-9, um, <clears throat> I went Justin Jefferson. He was, when I saw him land in Minnesota, I think it was, I think it was day one, um, he was kind of shot to the top end of my board when it came to late first round receivers. Um, I think he's, he's shown that he's had the ability or he's played on the inside and he's played on the outside over at LSU. And I think that that's what Minnesota, what Minnesota does well, like with guys like Adam Thielen is he moves, plays him inside, plays him outside and kind of finds that matchups. And Thielen is bordering on 30 and probably is not going to be either as effective or in Minnesota much longer. So I think Justin Jefferson kind of, again, playing for the 2021 season, um, finds himself in a wide receiver one role in Minnesota in 2021. And then Jared, we come to you and, and your first pick over at 110 there. Uh, well, sitting at 110, I was kind of hoping <coughs> one of three players would, would drop to me. And sure enough, none of them did in Rager, Akers, or Jefferson. Um, so I'm not going to lie, I, mean, I tried trading back for a bit. Um, didn't really get enough any bites. Uh, so I ended up making the pick in Henry Ruggs. Um, I kind of talked myself into Ruggs after a while. I wasn't really high on him based on just the landing spot. Um, I don't really trust Derek Carr's deep ball ability either. Um, but hopefully, hoping they can get creative enough to use him in different ways. And let's be real, he's super fast. Um, I just kind of hope he doesn't have to be the number one there, that somebody else can emerge as the number one receiver. They could be a more better as a complimentary piece than the number one guy. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm more excited about him now than I was a couple weeks ago. I'll say that. Yeah. No, I definitely like Henry Ruggs. I think the concern with me would be the Raiders picking the fastest guy in the draft in Henry Ruggs, just like they did with, like, Darius Hayward Bay. Um, Jared has a history of that, too. He's the one that drafted John Ross. (laughs) I think think Henry Ruggs probably would have been warranted as the first receiver taken in last year's draft, Um, but not this year's draft. I love Henry Ruggs, personally. He was the guy that I wanted at 111, so I guess... Do you want me to just segue into 111, Gerard? Go for it. He was the guy I wanted. You snipe me, you bastard. Um, <laughs> I love Henry Ruggs. I had him at my number three receiver. I had him over Rager. I had him over Jefferson. I think he's more than just a speed guy. I think he's a supremely athletically gifted uh, football player. He doesn't drop the football. Um, his routes are not the best, but they're not terrible. He's he's not John Ross. Um, but I'll talk about my pick. Uh I'm perfectly uh, – Mike Mike thinks there was a tear break here. I do – I kind of do as well, but I, I I wanted a guy that was going to help me this year. Um, I really looked at T. Higgins. I really looked at Michael Pittman Jr. I really looked at Denzel Mims. Um, but I ultimately took Keyshawn Vaughn um, because I think he has a really, really nice two- to three-year window here as a runner uh, in a perfect landing spot. Uh, besides Kansas City, Indianapolis, Tampa was one of my top spots for a back. Um, and I think he's going to get on the field day one because he can pass protect. Um, and that's going to be good in the passing game. Keyshawn Vaughn's a solid running back. He's 250,000 yards. He's in the SEC. 
probably the worst team in the ACC. He can play it's really, really good competition and have success. Um, and he has the body to hold up. Um, he's got a really, really messy attitude. I remember listening to Mary Price talking about him at the combine, and he just said that I don't care who plays in third, and I will try to score and beat my own Saints. This guy here, he wants to be out on the field and he wants to play. I, I, I want him on my team. I think I'm going to be able to use him this year as an RB3, or possibly even I'm fine with that. Yeah, I agree. I was I was kind of hoping ha- having absolutely great landing spot. I mean, and you, you, yeah, you're right. Like Ronald Jones can't can't pass protect. Yeah, and I I kind of feel like I was kind of hoping that he would fall to me at like two one two two, um, just because I think like you said, Malf, he's someone who can come in and sit up, you know, get into your starting lineup this season. He doesn't have much competition in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady loves using pass catching running backs. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like the pick there at 111. Um, and then moving on to 112, Ryan isn't with us right now, but he went T. Higgins. Um, and I was pretty happy that he went T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins is a good good receiver, but I, I liked the guys that I picked a little bit more. Um, but anyway, we're not going to get into that. We'll get into that some other time when, when Brent and I can, can break down people's drafts. Um, but... One thing I did want to talk about, since we have a little bit of time and hopefully we haven't bored enough people yet, um, is what everyone's what everyone's favorite pick of the draft was, um, and a player that they they had on their board that they were hoping to get at a certain point that, like you said earlier, mouth got got taken just before you and you got sniped a little bit. So, Brent, why don't you tell us your favorite pick of the draft and the pick that you wish you could have made? My favorite pick was the Jonathan Taylor pick. Um, again, we, we don't have to rehash that at all, but I, I think he's going to be a, a good running back for, for years to come, and I think um, he could possibly be an RB1. I want to get into the, the pick that I feel like I missed out on, though, um, and it's somebody that you talked about earlier, Gerard. I had, for that 2-3, I was really hoping that Brian Edwards was still there, and um, I just I kind of fell in love with him as well, again, the nerds were talking about him. Other podcasts were talking about Brian Edwards. He had um, some injuries. He played behind Debo Samuel um, in college. Um, I think his his skills are going to translate really well to the to the professional league. Um, and again, I I think Henry Ruggs is a really good football player. I don't think he's going to be the one um, in Las Vegas. So I think that. Um, uh, Brian Edwards can, can actually be, surpass him and, and maybe uh, be the one in, in LA or whatever, Las Vegas, um, for the Raiders for, for the next couple of years. And what about you, Nick? I'm mainly just hoping that I didn't make the wrong decision at 1 1. You know, it was, for me, I was kind of, um, you know, going back and forth on it. Um, and I really did, I guess, I'd like that pick for Brent. You know, I'm happy that he got his guy. My favorite pick is the pick at 1-1. I think, uh, uh, you know, he was the guy I went with. He's the one I, I'm putting all my stock in. Obviously, my team is is uh, pretty bad right now. And I'll he's be one of Nick. What? Don't let him tell you anything else. You're all <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he's the guy that's going to take me to the championships in uh, a couple of years. 2022. Yeah. 
And then Nick, was there was there a guy that you were targeting that you ended up not getting? I, I you know, with the amount of picks I had in the first round, I wasn't you know he couldn't really step on anything. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Like I was I was fine with, with anyone that landed me at six. Um and then I moved up and then moved to five to get Swift, so I didn't down Swift. Then I was fine with getting bigger at seven. Um I guess you can say I missed out on getting targeting that didn't end up making it to you i know you only had like a first and then what fourth and fifth no um i uh i really well no this wasn't really anybody calling to me i wanted to um well it's actually fourth round i really wanted gronk but um he was taking the pick before me <laughs> i thought about taking him at four two as well but i thought he would go higher yeah yeah. I'm not taking Jordan Love, but um, I, I, I really wanted uh, uh, Gronk just because, um, sadly, OJ Howard is burning by then right now. Yeah. I mean, if Tyler Johnson wasn't there, Gronk would have been my pick, but that was kind of my one thing. Was If Tyler Johnson was there at 4-2, I was going to take him. What about you, Mel? If your favorite and your, the pick you, or the player got that got sniped from you? I talked about Henry Ruggs getting sniped from me earlier by Jared. That's definitely the one that I missed out on. I wasn't 
upset to take Keyshawn Vaughn, but I really wanted Henry Ruggs there at 11. Um, I'm sorry, make a deal. <laughs> you know, I'll just put it in the uh, We'll go uh, my favorite. If you're interested, I'll get in. <laughs> I love those three team deals. Let's talk. Um, All right. My favorite is probably the riskiest pick I made at 210, uh, Antonio Gibson. I was talking to Gerard, this guy this morning. I freaking love this guy. Uh, whenever I put on, he he was the one guy I watched. I watched a lot of uh, rookies this year. I watched a lot of Tate and Nerds film, and uh, he was the guy I kept going back to uh, and watching because I just can't get enough of Antonio Gibson's tape. He's another guy. He's like probably the same size as we Jonathan Taylor. He's about six, um, my only concern with him is that he doesn't necessarily have a position. He's kind of a gadget guy. Um, he had 14 touchdowns on 77 total touches, and he scored in the receiving game, he scored in the run game, and he scored in the return game by making just insane, absolutely ridiculous, incredible plays. He looked like a man amongst boys on the field at times against Memphis, so that's a pick I'm really excited about. It could be a total bust. Honestly, but but I love the guy, and I'm willing to take the shot late second. There's a lot of targets to go around in that offense too. So I'm, I'm thrilled with that. I, yeah. I think there's it's going to be hard not to get him the ball with how many with the lack of options they have. And I, and I just put the ball in his hands and watch him go. He breaks tackles. He runs past people. He's he's, he's incredible, man. And then for me, for me, my favorite pick, Brent. You kind of hit on it earlier. Was Brian Edwards, um, but I do really like my. Michael Pittman Jr. pick as well. And then the player that got sniped for me was DJ Dallas. Damn you, Jarrett. I um, I was trying to get every pick from the 211 back to the to your pick at 3-5 so I can get my hands on DJ Dallas. Um, and you just, you just wouldn't give him up. So I was a little disappointed about that. My two handcuffs that I was trying to – that I could have gotten in Zach Moss for Singletary and DJ Dallas for Carson kind of fell through, but it is what it is. I was, I was happy that McFarlane fell to me. Um, I was surprised you didn't take him, Jared. That's why I was trying to get ahead of you to take McFarlane. Cause I thought you would have handcuffed Connor, but I guess to each his own. Jared had the, yeah, but I appreciate you guys coming on, spending some of your time with me talking Dynasty football. Um, I appreciate, uh, I guess, just a good conversation about the first round of our draft, which I had a lot of fun with. I'm a lot of Yeah. I guess we'll sign off here. See you guys. All right. Take care, guys. See you guys. Peace.